Hello, everyone. It is Sunday, April 5th, and this is Online with Light, a podcast for Freemasons. I'm Right Worshipful Brother Nick Ives, and I'm here with now officially Right Worshipful Brother Scott Bumps. How are you, Brother Scott? I'm very good, Right Worshipful Brother Nick. How are you doing today? I'm great. Uh, Scott is now officially, we just got the notification yesterday, the district deputy for District 4A, and he hasn't been collared, but it's by edict of the Grand Master because of everything that's going on. How do you feel about it, Scott? Uh, I'm excited about it. Um, I had a, I, I believe I had a good mentor and uh, right worshipful brother, Jason Morris, uh, serving as his AGM. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And uh, my AGM, uh, uh, worshipful brother, Glenn Jocks, um, we're, we're ready to go and start off. So we just have to wait until this coronavirus uh, thing settles down and then we'll be off and running. So we're excited about it. And so just so everybody knows, we are meeting remotely right now through the magic of the interweb because of all of the um, problems that are out there. And we're, so we're, we're adhering to all guidelines and rationales of all of that. So um, we want you all to know that we're not in person right now, but we would prefer to be, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, so Scott, um, just so we have a little bit on your background, um, you are, what's your mother lodge? And can you just tell me about some of your, um, involvement in Freemasonry and, uh, what your interests are? Sure. Uh, my mother lodge is Cosmopolitan Lodge number 125 in New Haven. Uh, I've been a member with them going on, uh, this would be 11 years as a, as a Freemason. Um, I served the several, several chairs with him within the lodge and also um, served as their uh, worshipful master in 2014. Um, I since then got involved in the Scottish Rite, currently a, uh, the uh, <clears throat> Prince of uh, Jerusalem um, for the uh, New Haven, Valley of New Haven Scottish Rite, um, which is encouraging brother who wants to get in extend and get more involved and and learn a little bit more of the different degrees and stuff to join the scottish right um and then i've uh, served a, a right worshipful brother jason morris for uh as his agm for the last two years so that's great well that's, in, that's certainly yeah, a, a nice in, resume there that you have scott you do a lot yeah do a lot run around the state a lot so so it's let's fun and keeps me busy Let's talk about your professional life a little bit. Um, it, you, you were talking to me once about something. You work for a defense contractor, and you're mm -hmm. involved in continuous improvement and Six Sigma. And there's, I've heard a lot of these terms before, and I'm very interested. And in our talk today is going to talk about this process and how it can help us as Freemasons. Um, what is this concept of Six Sigma, and what do you do? So Six Sigma, look at Six Sigma as a methodology for continuous improvement. Um, Six Sigma gives you the tools um, and the process in order to apply continuous improvement on an issue that has been identified um, based all on data. So you want to use that data and kind of get rid of the emotional attachments that some may have to that problem. So you want it to be data driven and it shows you the different tools and techniques on how to apply in the various steps of that process. That's, so there's two that, parts. That's really interesting. I just right off the bat, the emotional part. I mean, you, I feel like you're talking about Freemasonry right there. Like 
right off oh, the bat. Absolutely. Like the sacred cows that we have in the fraternity where we, we get very emotional about problems. Um, mm -hmm. Do you find that even in business, people are uh, emotional about certain programs or things that uh, they get stuck on something and they kind of get personally connected to it? Uh, absolutely, Nick. Um, the first thing that most people um, tend to tend to do is they, instead of letting them use the data to guide them to what the root cause of the problem is to fix, they already believe in their minds that they know what the problem is. And, or they have their own, let's say, agenda to take it a different way. So that's part of what I do as a, as a black belt, uh, certified black belt is to kind of really facilitate that team and the leaders of that team, um, the management of that team to kind of get all that kind of put aside. Um, hopefully you do that in the storming stage. Um, there is a, a we've, we'll, we've learned uh, and I've learned about team dynamics and the various stages in, of team dynamics and how to move a team through those, those different stages. So you probably have to have some difficult conversations with some very powerful people about what their program is, what the problem is, and how to how to deal with that. How do you deal with those kind of challenging conversations? It, it usually, and this has been my philosophy, Nick, with it is just be open and honest communication in. In doing so, that's very difficult at times because a lot of people don't want to hear the honest truth of what is being perceived or is coming and being observed from the outside. And after they kind of swallow that pill, I would say, then you really have room to make pro progression down for that improvement opportunity. But yes, it is a very hard place to be in, in having those conversations sometimes. Now, how can we take some of the stuff you're talking about and uh, making data-driven decisions and, and really kind of breaking down some of those, uh, those dogmas that were like, this is how it is uh, in Freemasonry. Now, obviously, um, you're becoming a district deputy, you're a district deputy as of like yesterday's email. So, mm -hmm. um, so you now have two years ahead of you to help lodges and obviously the lodges are, are really in control of this, but you as a facilitator and as a outside voice, how can you see um, lodges applying some of these principles to themselves so they can see improvement, maybe improvement in membership, maybe improvement in attendance, maybe even financial improvement. Um, how, how can you see that happening? So I would say it first starts at getting getting the worshipful master and the court officers together of that lodge and really dive down and almost have a brainstorming session with them and, and, and saying, okay, what, what are, what keeps you up at night? What are the problems that your lodge is facing and start throwing those, I, I call them throwing them on the wall. So you get, you could do it with, with the, the yellow post-it notes or whatever, start writing down all the, different ideas that people are coming up with, throw them on the wall and then start putting them into themes. And then from the themes, once you have the themes, you start asking questions and start incorporating data to say, okay, what, 
let's put some type of priority to these. What's what's your most painful painful issue? What really keeps you up at night? That's a that's one of those questions I I, I often ask most within my industry. Um, is is I ask leaders what keeps you up at night, and usually those things that keep them up at night are the real high level priority issues that they want to go and solve. And then one of the ways we can what I would like to see lodges start incorporating is once they identify those issues, the, um, during my professional career, we use a thing called the excellence plan. And that excellence plan basically says what's your one or two top issues or concerns. And then you create some goals around those, uh, around that issue. And then you put together a strategy of how to solve those goals and then create some metrics of like, okay, this is where we are now. How do we show success in, in, that we have achieved this for the team or for the lodge officers um, or various committees? And then you kind of go into a whole, um, so that would be the excellence plan. And then you would have a tactical plan would be all the tactical activities that you're gonna go kind of take on in order to achieve that strategy. And if I was in a lodge, uh, um, this is sounds really awesome. When you talk about um, like data and metrics, how could you apply um, like data and metrics to a lodge setting? I know that that sounds very business oriented, but how yeah. I think that it's important that we look at the lodges and say, well, how are we measuring success so we know we're not wasting our time doing something? You know, let's say we do five years of an open house that yields zero members or zero visitors, and you know, mm-hmm. that I could see that, but. What are some areas that you could really apply some of that principle of metrics and measurement to a lodge setting? I would say one would be, well, it, I guess it's looking at it and changing the perception of what a lodge is, because ultimately when I look at a lodge, I do look at it as a business. Each lodge is a business. I don't know if that is necessarily how Freemasonry looks at a lodge on a whole, but it is a business. And from there, what we could do is membership. Okay, how do you wanna grow your membership? What's your your current membership that you're growing? If it's zero, then if you can grow three, you know, have a goal and set a goal to, we're gonna create three new members next year within the year period. It's a start. So if the if that lodge can achieve that goal, that would be wonderful. Another one is you could do charity. How much charity are you doing? Um, how many charity events are you doing? What have you done? And what's the goal to do more? So you, you kind of set that goal. Maybe we only did three this year. Maybe our goal is seven. So let's put put the target at seven. And now how are we going to go do those? What are those those, what's the tactical plan on that? How are we going to go achieve an increase in adding four more charity events that we do? Um, another one could be uh, charity, maybe fundraising, increasing your charity fund, threshold dollars. Um, maybe it's, it's you know, uh, officer line too. Maybe, maybe your lodge has, has been experienced holes in the officer line. How do we put a plan together that is going to sustain, and that's a key word, is sustain, because 
all these continuous improvement activities, the ultimate goal is once you achieve the improvement is to how do you sustain that improvement for for the next several years or for the the, the life of, of the lodge. So it, it's always the circular, I call it the circular, Nick, the Ouroboros, if you wish. Um, <laughs> Thank you the, for that. You know, no problem. Um, <laughs> it, it's a circular, it's it's really a circular methodology of it never ends. It, it's always continuous, and that's why they call it continuous improvement. So I have a question now. In my professional life, I'm an educator, and I go out on uh, on behalf of the New England Association of Schools and Colleges, and we evaluate as teams, as kind of like peer teams almost, and we evaluate high schools because I, I work in a high school. So they, they try and get you with people who know what your story is. And we have a certain set of standards that we use to say, if I, and I'll give you an example, like the curriculum um, will be very detailed and say what resources are being used and give teachers an understanding of what the, um, what to teach. And then the instruction will be engaging. And obviously there's break, there's very detailed breakdowns on that. Um, in your process, how do you set a standard for what you're looking for? And, and I, and I'm thinking about this in the sense of masonry. Like if I say, you know, I want a steady growing membership of brothers who stay and are retaining, like that's what I would love to see. But how in the Six Sigma world can you come up with like, well, this is what we're reaching for and how we set a goal. And, and it's almost like every lodge can choose to set their own goals. So mm -hmm. Sometimes I wonder like, are we setting the right ones? How do we set a goal that is achievable, but still pushes us to really grow? So I would first ask on that question is, and each lodge would have a different answer. But the first question I would ask is, um, what are you trying to achieve? Okay. Throw, I would dive deeper into the, well, we want to increase membership. Okay. How do you want to increase that membership? We got to start, start peeling the onion back and understand it. Do we want to just, is it just a quantity type growth number that we're looking for? Um, or do we want to make do we want to grow, but we want to sustain those members too? We don't want to see them disappear within, you know, a year and a half, two years. And what do we have to do as part of our plan in order to grow and sustain that new membership? So, so it's a different perspective. And that's where, as a facilitator, black belt facilitator, that's where my expertise comes in is, is always challenging the teams um, and, and having them think of things outside of, of what they normally uh, would, would go after. Because most people would stop at, okay, we're going to increase, increase membership. And this is how we're going to do it. We're just going to give a petition to every, every person we see. Every man we see, we're going to give a petition to. Well, that's not ultimately what we want to do, right? So thinking about sustainable goals, as you mentioned, and thinking about, you know, talking about that specific thing that you just said there. In Masonry, we have this, I don't want to say insidious, but in my year, you've heard that yeah. in my year, it's very much, um, it's personal to the, um, the master of the year, and then everything mm -hmm. ends at the end of the year. Uh, I know that we have officer meetings and we plan, and I'll be honest with you, I've been privy to some of the, uh, the Grand Lodge of Connecticut's planning, and it's much more sustained. The viewpoint is that they have, they're using Asana and they're, they're setting goals that take a few years to get to. And 
Um, but I, I don't see this happening right yet in a lot of lodges. It's like we kind of show up, maybe there's an officer meeting, but I, I've even been to lodges where the officers are having like open discussions in the middle of lodge, like as if they didn't confer on some of these major financial things before lodge. Um, how can we structure intentional time to set goals that will last so it's not just the cult of personality of one brother who's master that year, who has a really strong year, maybe the next year somebody else goes a completely different direction. Um, h- how would you structure a lodge, uh, maybe in a meeting structure, or, or how, how many meetings does it take to get there, and what should they do? So, so Nick, I would my first recommendation would be, you know, use um, what past Grandmaster Melly Johnston used for his for the Grand Lodge. I mean, he he set off, off a he had the the Grand Lodge um, officers kind of sit together on a weekend. They they went through, they developed, they asked themselves the questions, and looked at and came up and developed a strategy, a plan. And that's usually the, the beginning is what is the plan? And how do you how are we gonna sustain that plan? So in a large setting, um, you know, it's just not the the worshipful master that has to come up with that plan. Each officer, especially the I would say the senior warden, the junior warden, and probably the um, senior deacon plus the other officers and especially the secretary and the treasurer and the reason why i include the secretary and the treasurer is because as we know in most lodges those two positions usually the secretary and the treasurer have been there for multiple years and are probably going to stay there for multiple years. So it's really getting that officer court together and get them all on the same type of plan that each are committed to support for the next three, four, five, six, seven years out. And then once you achieve that plan or that goal and, and you show that it's sustaining, then go back and say, okay, you know what, as a lodge, as a whole, we've achieved this. Now let's see what's the next thing as an officer core do we want to want to achieve? And that's really where the strategy comes comes into play. And, but it's that uniting. You got to get rid of those silos. I call them silos. So to your earlier point, like the worshipful master, you know, he might have an agenda next year, the next worshipful master, they might have an agenda. But as long as that agenda is held to that higher strategy and plan, I, I, I think you would start seeing success. So let's get controversial because you mentioned something about the secretary and the treasurer are there for multiple years and they kind of form a little bit of a bedrock. They're there. there. We mm-hmm. do this system where we have one year and out. Is that helpful? Should we be retaining leaders in their positions for longer, maybe a two or three year period. And I say this knowing that, uh, that's, you know, I'm not saying that you're going to, you're recommending it to anybody, but, uh, it seems like we, we have a tough time filling the line yet. We have a a lot of leaders who are really good, who we push out and, um, is one year enough for a leader? So I would say no. Uh, Um, in my experience, my professional experience, 
you know, usually that first year, that's you got to give a, a leader uh, time to to make assessments of, of the business. And I'm going to refer to the lodge at this point going forward as a business. Um, make an assessment of the business of the lodge. Um, so, so they get an experience of, okay, where the private problems really lie. Because as you know, Nick, going from a, from, from an officer and then becoming the worshipful master of that lodge, that's a different, there, there definitely is a difference between there. And, and, and it does take some big steps to make, make that, that jump to worshipful master, because my experience, a lot of lodges will say, well, it's, if you go through the officer line, uh, that prepares you to be a worshipful master. Um, it prepares you to a certain level, I, I believe. Uh, it, it doesn't prepare you to the full blown on responsibility and understanding that everybody is going to look at you to make every little call possible for that lodge. Um, there was things when I go, when I moved to Worshipful Master, uh, I'll fully admit I'm not the best from a, a finance accounting person, but that's not where my skill set is. So I leaned uh, during that, during my year, I leaned a lot on my treasurer and other brothers that had a strong skill set. And I feel that, you know, being a worshipful master for a year, you're, you're just really starting to learn from that position, really, what the true issues of a lodge are, what the challenges are, and also who is, what brothers within that lodge have the best skill sets um, to support different functions um, for that lodge. And if you break it down and look at it from a business perspective, um, I think lodges would be better off because what I do think lodges get caught up on is they look at it from a ritual perspective. Um, we're very big with our, our perfection of ritualism and stuff. And I think that's where we as Masons might kind of go off the track a bit is we, we look at officers need to, should be the people that can do ritual, ritual very, very well. And I do believe, you know, I do have a high standard of myself for ritual, but that doesn't make that doesn't mean that that person, because they're good in ritual, they have a good business mind and business sense either. So I think lodges need to start making that that differ, start differentiating those two type of um, cultures, if you like. And that's interesting you say that. And I know your lodge and I, or your mother lodge. I'll even call him out, uh, right? Where's brother Gary Cohen, your treasurer, fantastic treasurer, highly organized. Um, you can ask him anything. He'll know the number right off the top of his head. Um, Nick, I lost you. Oh, okay. Well, we're still recording. Um, we're talking about your, okay. tre your treasurer right now, uh, right? Where's brother Gary Cohen? Sorry, this is the problem with distance uh, <laughs> going back and forth. Um, he's a fantastic treasurer and you can ask him anything and he'll know the number. And I believe mm -hmm. you have right worshipful brother Gary Madigan as your uh, secretary right now. Uh, but when you were master, that secretary was right worshipful brother Arnold Freeman, someone, uh, and I just love Arnold and I being a, a I have a, a journal I keep of every Masonic experience I've ever had. And um, I looked back because uh, I was going to be speaking at your presentation. I looked back for one of our first meetings and I was actually at Arnold's house 
And we went through and did the financial accounting and the right worship brother, Roger Cole was the district deputy. And I wrote down in my book, they really have their SHIT together. And I said, Scott really has it sewn up tight. He really knows what he's doing. And it was nice because you had two super strong brothers and you were master to lean on. Uh, and I point out, cause I don't, you, you know, you being 4A, I was very proud to have followed in the footsteps of the 4A brothers, which I believe uh, Brother Gary and Brother Arnold both were. And so you're following in the footsteps of uh, some really solid brothers that you can count on as kind of those bedrocks in the lodge. And they kind of help provide that continuity. And uh, I, I just wanted to say that as an observation because they they definitely were super strong characters at the time when you were master. And, and I, I empathize with that as an outsider who was a very new associate grand marshal, very nervous watching how you guys were doing it. And, uh, it was just, it was a really great thing to see that you had such, um, connection there for the, through the generations. Uh, that was great. Um, we're in downtime here with COVID-19. This is, uh, we're home, we're, we're working, but you know, we're, we're definitely not at full strength here. If I'm a, uh, a leader in Freemasonry, what would you be recommending I'm doing right now to prepare for whenever we get back to lodge. So, so Nick, first, thank you very much for those kind words, and I, I really appreciate it, um, especially coming from you. Um, one more thing on, on leadership before I get into this is, is if you do have a strong secretary or treasurer, <coughs> or even, um, you know, someone on your auditing committee, uh, maybe the head of your auditing committee that's very strong or something. Um, if they're doing a good job, just don't don't remove them because, you know, you feel that it's also time for for new blood to take that chair or that position um, that that also is kind of could hurt hurt a lodge. And, um, you know, when when you mentioned the right worshipful brother Arnold Freeman um, and his passing that I mean, he had held that position so long uh, as secretary of Cosmopolitan 125 that it did take. A, a, a period of adjustment for right worshipful brother uh, Gary, no initial, no initial Madigan to <laughs> step into that to step step into that position. Um, I, I would say if brother Madigan wasn't sh the, if he didn't have that experience and that connection, because there's a lot of years he 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 worked with Arnold. Um, I don't know if that transition. I think that transition would have been much more difficult than what it really was. And there was a diff there was a, a transition period and there was some some let's say uh, uh bumps in the road um during that transition. It wasn't picture perfect. Um going to your your next question and what was the question? Sorry Nick, I went on a tangent. No, no, that's okay. It, it, it's it's good that you're uh, coming from the heart. It's basically we're in downtime. So what should a Masonic leader be doing right now to help, you know, we, we usually don't have this time to kind of sit aside and just think a little bit. And if you as you as someone who's worked in continuous improvement, what can we do now to set ourselves up well for tomorrow? So I would say right now is the perfect time um to start having some of these conversations on where does the lodge want to be do, does the lodge have a strategy does, do they have an excellence plan um do they have a have they identified what keeps them up at night and you know, if they as an officer core 
I'm not saying worshipful master does this on his own. He, the worshipful master, he needs to involve his officers and maybe some past masters that are good at their at the business side and and have you know strong passions. Um, you know, start asking those questions. Start saying what keeps us up at night. Start forming. You know, okay, this is what keeps us up at night. How do we want to improve it? Uh, what are our goals? Um, and then, okay, let's form a strategy uh, to, to 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 satisfy those goals. What, what are we going? What's our strategy? And what strategy is it? A strategy for the next year? Is it three to five years out? Is it five to five plus years out? And, and I would say, if you really want some some substantial growth um, and improvement in your launch, um, one year is is great, but start looking at that three to five plus time frame and start getting that unity among the officer corps. Um, one of the 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 things with when I became Worshipful Master of Cosmo was, um, although I had some challenges, I also said it was probably, as a Worshipful Master, it was one of the easiest, from a strategy perspective, easiest jobs I took on because great Worshipful Brother Jason Moore was the Worshipful Master two years prior to my year in 2014. And going into my year as Worshipful Master, I didn't have to set a strategy because all I had to do was do a continuation of the strategy that Jason created two years earlier when he met with his officers and we discussed these things on how do we want to progress this, this lodge? How do we want to take Cosmopolitan and how do we want to grow it? What are the things we have to do? So after, you know, 2000. 12, 2013, I, and when I, I stepped into the East, um, I just, my strategy was already clear for me. Now I could focus on the tactical issues and I had the freedom to work within those tactical um, strat, uh, tactical goals, I would, I'll call them, or tactical events, probably is a better term, is, okay, what type of charity events do I want to do? Um, you know, as a master, I was able to direct, you know, no, we're going to give to the, you know, we're going to give to this charity instead of that charity. Um, you know, that's where I had my freedom uh, as master. And I, that, that satisfied me. But the, the ultimate goal and strategy for the lodge was continuing what started two years earlier. So you're going to be district deputy. And the question that you're going to get from all the lodge brothers when you go in there is, what are you looking for? And I think a lot of times we, we always refer to lodges and we use certain statements like, that's a good lodge, that's a strong lodge, that's a weak lodge, that's a not so good lodge. Oh, that lodges. You know, you hear people say it like that. But in a more concrete sense, what would you be looking for as a district deputy to say, this is a lodge that's doing things correctly that could help restore membership finance and, and have a, a strong stable growing lodge what would you be looking for as you travel about so so nick I, um that's a great question and um I, I think my question my what i would be looking for is i would be asking the worshipful master and the top officers of that lodge what is your strategy we'll quote one question what keeps this lodge up at night and what is your strategy and, and, and what's your excellence plan? 
how are you going to achieve excellence and how are you going to solve that thing that keeps you up at night? Um, I, I ultimately, I mean, you know, most lodges will say membership. Okay. So you already identified what you have a membership issue. So what are you going to do as a lodge, not as, as, as a worshipful master this year, because by the time we get out of this COVID 19 environment, <laughs> they, they have the year zone probably be gone. So, you know, what, what's the chances of let's be realistic and honest with ourselves. It goes back to that open and honest communication as well is, you know, you're not going to do much. So we're the worshipful masters for, for 2020, they really need to start setting stuff up for the worshipful masters and the lodge for 2021, 2022, 2023. And what I've seen so far in my travels as, as an AGM um, is those, those lodges that I view or consider as stronger lodges, um, they have that, they have a strategy. Um, it might not be at, to the, to the letters and to the points that I'm expressing during this podcast, but there is a form of strategy and, and you can see there's a form of alignment within the officers, um, that they're, they're, they're committed to that strategy. Um, and, and you see it in the, in the lodges that are, are being viewed as. So I, I think that's the most important thing is, is, is that a lot of brothers, when they become worshipful masters, think of my year. And I think people, we need to get out of that mindset. It, yes, it's your year, but it's not, it's my year, my lodge. Ultimately, you're putting you, you in front of everything from a mind, mindset perspective. And if you can break that and say, our lodge, for the lodge, it's us, instead of my, I think you change it from a individual to a team structure. And that's probably really the first step to move forward. So if I was a, a worshipful master somewhere in the state and I said, wow, I really like what you're talking about. I need some help. Um, how can they reach out to you or learn more about this uh, Six Sigma and continuous improvement process? Uh, what, what's the next step that they can take? Um, next step they could take is that uh, um, any any brother or worshipful master officer in any lodges that are interested, they can um, reach out to me. Um, my information is in Grandview. Um, so just look me up in Grandview. I'm in Grandview. Um, and I would say probably the first thing I would ask them uh, if they do, when they do reach out to me would be, have you identified the, the thing that keeps you up at night as a lodge? And then we can take it from there, Nick. So then, we can, I, then I can work with them. I can say that right off the top, as the chairman of the education committee, this sounds like a wonderful talk coming up in some future seminar i just have the i have the sense that the committee might reach out to you on this one because uh, I, uh, <laughs> I would look i would look forward to it nick and we could actually start getting into templates and the different various tools if you want um you know there's the for for the side of uh, lean six sigma um there's two it's actually two things right so the lean part is you're looking at there there's there's a methodology and a process in identifying waste within your current process. And that's what I think we need as Masons start to look at is, is our lodges, they are a process. 
If you look at the degrees, it is a process that, that we go through. Um, so um, even our membership, there is a process to that membership, right? In, in, in the petition stage and, and the various steps for, for a new member coming on board into our fraternity. Um, there's, there's processes, there's so many processes within uh, Freemasonry. Um, you could get totally lost in it, but it's really breaking that down. And lean, the lean side really looks at how we can streamline those processes, how can we remove waste, and how can we make those a little bit more easier to kind of work through where the Six Sigma side, that's really where it deals with variation. It's very data driven. Um, I don't know if uh, if all our lodges um, are at that point where they're they're tracking these all these various data points to a point where we can start setting up control charts for them and and stuff like that, which really drives drives the, the uh, statistical side or the six sigma side of masonry. I think our real opportunity, it probably in the beginning, would be on the lean side, um, looking at our processes, getting that waste out of our our processes and stuff like that. Um, and, and even though you could even look at a meeting, a, a, a typical lodge meeting, um, it's a process that 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 most masters and, and lodge officers go through and brothers, right? There, there's usually they're all set up in a similar fashion and stuff. And maybe it's time to maybe play around with those processes and, and break the, the typical structures. So I have a bunch of brothers that I will be referring to you as we uh, start to close uh, I, I just i think this sounds so exciting and i think that you kind of adding this to the grand lodge of connecticut and uh i think it'll be a big asset to people so uh, i want to thank you for coming on right worshipful brother scott i'm happy i get to call you that uh, i gotta get used to that nick but thank you very much <laughs> and uh it's been a pleasure and uh hopefully we can uh maybe maybe change a little bit of of masonry together with this well hey i appreciate it and we're going to do everything we can thank you so much brother scott and thank you to everyone for listening to online with light a podcast for freemasons and we'll see you soon